This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. There's a lot of subject matter I would like to cover tonight. How much we're going to cover. But I spoke to you a few weeks ago about the whole situation in the mountains. And um, it, it looked like it was something that really we couldn't do anything that much about. You know, 300 kids partying. <laughs> But what, what's, there's a mission in Perkyelos, which I quoted probably in the last two weeks a thousand times. Because mo- most people feel that, you know, problems in our generation, it's just too large, it's just too big. And, and, you know, you can't, you can't change the world, as they say. So, so a lot of people just walk away and they don't make any changes at all. And really what I've learned in my life is that we, we, we are not, we're not God. You know, sometimes you work with a kid, you try to change him for years and he, it doesn't happen. And, you know, if you're going to give up because of that, because my Rebbe always says, you're not God. You're not, you know, whatever you touch doesn't turn to gold. Not everything that you do, you know, are you successful with. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. And, you know, this past week we, we, we rented out a, bo- a bowling alley and a, and a pool hall. We had the girls go to one and the boys go to the other. Everyone said it wouldn't work. Baruch Hashem, because, of, because everyone heard about the parties and it was written about it and we spoke about it, so a lot of the parents who didn't know that their kids were out Matzah Shabbat and that were in the city and their kids were in camps, they found out about this and they of course stopped it. Most of the day, most of the bungalow colonies put a curfew on the girls, you know, that they can't go out till four o'clock in the morning anymore, only till one. And, and the whole thing changed and I was out this Matzah Shabbat like I am every Matzah Shabbat till six o'clock in the morning. And Baruch Hashem, there was no parties. There were no parties. Yeah, there were five cars driving around the mountains, you know. Those are the kids that you can't change and they just were upset that, you know, that they didn't have a party, but Lamaisa, the whole thing was busted up. The whole thing didn't happen this past month Shabbos. And last month Shabbos, people said, you're wasting your time at Wallstein. But I went to Rev. Dover Feinstein, who was a good Adar, and he gave us advice, and he gave us coaching. And, and, and he told us that you, you can't change the world, but you could try, and Akash Baruch will change the world. So there's a Mishnah in Pirkei that I think is very important for everyone here, because we, we feel, I'm talking about 300 kids. But, Everything that we do as far as Kirov, Rechokim, Kirov Krovim, all this stuff, really begins with you yourself, with being a car of yourself. It's very easy to tell someone else what to do. It's very easy to see somebody else's faults. The hard guy to fix is yourself, much more than fixing somebody else. And that's why there are a lot of people running around the world fixing other people, because they don't want to have to look in the mirror and look what they see in the mirror, which is themselves. So they're busy seeing everyone else in the mirror, not themselves. So the, the, the most important thing is a person to fix himself. So it, it's on the same basis that you say, I can't change my whole life. It's much too hard. It means I have to give up this and I have to give up that. And I'm not such a religious guy. And I can't go to shul every three times a day. And it's just too much. And Hashem says, you know what, I don't, I don't want you to do too much. I'm not asking you to do too much. All I'm asking you to is to start. Start on yourself. If you're not going to Minyan, go once a day. If you're not wearing sitzes, wear it twice a week. Whatever it is, if you're not keeping Shabbos, keep Friday night. I'm serious. You know, don't smoke a whole Friday night. Then, you'll take a time, you'll see, I didn't have to smoke a whole Friday night, I'll try Shabbos morning. And just, it's not, it's not for us to do the whole thing at one time, but it is for us to start. Now there's a mission, this is the mission that I've been quoting. There's a mission about this, and the mission says the following. It's the, it's the second to last, two last mission is in, Perek Gimel and Perek Yavos says the following. Rabbi Tafrin, Rabbi Tafrin says, Hayom Katzer, the day is short. Life is short. It is, it's very short. Even 70 years is, is not a long time, you know? You guys, most of you in this room are 20. So it's already, you should live till 120. But most of us, 20, let's see, let's see, 80, right? So one quarter of your life is gone already. Just one quarter, boom, what did you do? What happened? Where did it go? And, and, and that's a slow time. That's when you're in school. You know, once you get married, you go to work, time flies much faster. So, a person, this is what the Mishnah says. Hayayim Katzer, it's a short day. Life is very short. Crazy short. Hamalacha Maruba, and there's so much work to do. There's so much that a person can accomplish in every minute of his life. You know, the bracha that Sadiq can give is not to have long years. Not, it's Laman, you, when you do Kibbutz Avain, what does it say? Laman Yerichin Yomecha. Not Shinai Secha. It doesn't say that you, because you do the midst of Kibbutz Avain, you're going to have long years. That's what the Torah says. Laman Yerichin Yomecha. 
you're going to have long days. The tzaddikim that know how to give a bracha, give you a bracha, you should have long days. What does that mean? Because you can have a hundred year life, and in that life have two real days. You have two real days in your whole hundred year life. You did nothing with yourself. A long day, a day means what you did. In other words, what's your day? Not when you're sleeping. First is day. If you slept, if you were up three hours today and you slept the other 21, your day is not the 21. If I asked you, what did you do today? You would tell me what you did in those three hours. The 21 hours that you slept, there's nothing to talk about. So the bracha to a person is to use his days, to have long days. Out of your 24 hours, you should be able to use 22 of them. That's a big bracha. That a person should be smart enough to use his days. Not his years. You can have a lot of years and no days. But if you have a lot of days, you got to have a lot of years. It doesn't work the other way around. You can have a lot of years and have no days. But if you have a lot of days, you have a lot of years. So the chacham, you go for a bracha, the bracha they give you is to have a lot of days. So the mission here says that, that the day is short. But Malachim Aruban, there's a lot of work to do. But Hapolim at Salem, and the workers are very lazy. That's us. The human being is is lazy. So we come into a world that has a very short amount of time that we're here, and we have a lot of work to do, and we're lazy. But the mission says Haschar Harbe, Hashem pays per hour, per minute, a lot. In other words, if you tell me that I have a lot of work to do and it's going to take me a long time, and you're paying me $2 an hour, I have a nice life, I'm not interested. But if you tell me you're paying me a million dollars an hour, that means the more I work, and the harder I work, I'm going to have billions of dollars, of course I'm going to work harder. So, and even if the day is short, if the, if the value I'm getting paid for that short day is a lot of money, I'm going to use the whole day, and every person has to think, has to think, thank you very much, every person has to think that you have a short, you, today's my last day. No one in this room would have spent your day today like you did. I, I, I can tell you that, including myself. Every guy sitting behind me, in front of me, on the side, every single one of you, if you knew today was your last day in life, there's not one guy in this room that would have spent the day like you spent it today. Guarantee you, me included. If it's your last day, you would have davened like you never davened. You would have learned like you never learned. You would have said, Hashem, ah, forgive me for this, forgive me for that, forgive me for this. Your friends would be calling your cell phone. Are you crazy? Not now. This is my last day. You go talk to your parents and you prepare yourself for the next world. And oh my goodness. So if every person understood this is the last day, there's not one person in this room that would have spent your day the way you spent it. It would have been a totally different day. And Lamai said, we're supposed to think that every day is our last day. Boy, oh boy, if we thought that, what an unbelievable life we would all have. Nothing to talk about. So he says, Apoyalim Atzalim, we're all lazy. And there's a lot of money to make in this world. There's a lot of schar. Sisters, like we spoke last week, tefillin, davening, there's so much. You can earn so much. And the master of the house, the master of this world, is insistent, is waiting. He's waiting. He's like, no. Yalla, let's go. Get to work. He's waiting. So, you know, if you learn this Mishnah, it's like, oh man, this is a downer. I don't got no time. You're giving me a lot of work and I'm lazy. This is not a very good combination. No time, a lot of work and lazy. This is not going to work. This is, how am I going to do this? You know, great, you're going to pay me a lot, but, but I got no time, I got a lot of work and, uh, and I'm lazy. So this is, this is like one of the biggest missions that, in a person's life. The Mishnah Chafal, the last mission in this parent. And the same Rabbi Tarfan who said that it's a short day and a lot of work and we're lazy, says the following. Who are you? He said the following. Lo alecha hamalacha ligmor. It is not required from you to complete the task. Hashem does not expect you to finish the task. You can't change the whole world. You can't even change yourself. Hashem doesn't expect anyone in this room to have the inner power to completely change yourself. You can't finish the job. Okay, so now, Rabbi Wallstein, if you stop right here, I'm done. So you're telling me I can't finish the job, you're telling me I'm lazy, you're telling me I have no time and I have a lot of work to do, leave me alone. This is not going to work out at all, right? It's getting worse. Says the Mishnah, But you are not free to walk away from it. In other words, you can't finish it, but you got to start it. You don't have the ability and the lifespan to finish it. 
But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is here forever. God is here forever. Therefore, He has that power. So you just have to start. I'm going to tell you a story tonight about someone who just started something. You have to just start. In yourself, forget about Kirib, the mountains, driving around till 6 o'clock in the morning. Forget about that, that whole thing. You yourself. You yourself, I, I can't do this, Hashem. I can't. I, I enjoy it too much when I'm doing wrong. And I don't have the strength. And I don't, I don't have the backing. And I don't, I, I don't have the resources. Because I'm not telling you you can finish it. You can't. Only I can. But you can't walk away from it. You have to get it started. If you learn a lot, you're going to get paid a lot. The, the, the one that you're working for will never bounce a check on you. He has a lot to pay you for. But you should know, you should know that a Kershbaruch is holding, it's like, it's like a deposit. He's holding what you do for the next world. Because this world, he gives you the pay risk. In other words, he gives you from the mitzvah that you do, the actual payment for the mitzvah you can't get paid for here. You cannot get paid on this world for the mitzvah that you do. This world doesn't have the payment for that, for, for a mitzvah. They don't have the payment. It's not, it's like, it's like you go to these, uh, you know, places that you play the games and you get a hundred coupons and you get a little teeny toy. Right? But that place doesn't have the payment. If I save someone's kid, right? I save someone's life. And you drag me and say, well, I want to pay you back. Here, come into the arcade. And I'm looking around the room like, what are you exactly going to give me? A spalding 25-cent ball for saving your kid? Like, there's nothing in the arcade that can pay me back. So, because Baruch says, in this world, the mitzvah itself, I can't pay you back. But the pay rise, the fruit of the mitzvah, that I can pay you. And that's what we get paid for in this world. But what this Mishnah is telling us is straight out that it is not for you to finish, it is for you to start. And the power of the Yitzhahara always is to tell us that what do you, if you can't finish it, don't start it. That's not true. It's not a test. When it comes to a person's life, right, when it comes to making changes in your life, you start it. And a lot of guys feel, I don't have the power to stop talking to girls, let's say. I don't have the power. I can't. I like to talk to girls. But if you would turn to Hashem and say, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week, I am not picking up the phone when a girl calls me. Right? I can't, a whole week I can't do it, but I can do it for three days. You will see that Kirsch will help you. Either they won't like you anymore, they won't call you, or something will happen to you. Something will happen that will give you the koyach. And there's no Shiloh that I told you this once and I'll tell it to you again, that each thing that you stop gives you the strength to stop the next thing. There's no question about it. I am fighting, dieting my whole life. And I just can't. I lose a little. I gain a little. But the chocolate makes me crazy. And I love bread. And you know, and I'm fighting it my whole life dieting. And anyone who diets knows that, right? I'm now, right? I went to the doctor today. I have another kidney stone. So I'm like, and he's like, you got to stop eating the things that you're eating. They make stones. We know that they're making stones. You got to stop eating it. And I was on my way home today. I said, I, I, I already went through the kidney stones so many times. Why can't I stop eating chocolate? So today I decided that I'm going to plug in to one of the other things I used to have a habit that I really stopped. I'm going to plug into that and through that strength I hope to be able to do this. So in other words, every little thing that you stop, right? You stop smoking. Someone tells you, okay, I don't want you smoking, gambling, or drinking anymore. You don't have a chance. You can't stop gambling, drinking, and smoking in one shot. It won't work. If you stop it in one shot, a week later you'll be doing one. But if you said... Listen, I can't do all three, but I'm not smoking anymore. And you stop smoking, six months or a year later, you'll be able to stop drinking. Because you have to prove to yourself that I have the power to stop something that I like. So every great thing in the world starts off by something little. Learning Torah, a guy who learns five hours a day, if he, if he started at five hours a day, he would burn out. He started at a half an hour a day. 15 minutes a day. Then he said, I could do 15 minutes a day. I'll get up 15 minutes early. I'll do it a half an hour a day. I could do it a half an hour a day. Maybe I could squeeze the lunch. I could squeeze the half an hour. That's how a person does it. And therefore, that's what the mission is telling us. It's a very important, essential. You know, I always scream at you and yell at you and criticize you and give you a hard time. But I don't give you advice on how to change things. One of the guys complained to me. He said, well, you tell us what we do wrong. You tell us what we do wrong. But you don't help us. You don't help us change. So this week, I, I wanted to look in the, in the, in the missions and look into things to say, how am I going to help the boys change? Just to get up there and say, girls and drinking and all this other stuff is bad. 
Okay, okay, we know it's bad already, but how do I stop it? So the way to stop it, according to his mission, is you can't stop it by yourself. You have to stop it little by little. Even though some people, when my father stopped smoking in one shot. Dead, boom, finished. He took. He was doing three packs a day. He, 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 he just made up his mind one day, threw them in the garbage, and it was over. But that's not the norm. The norm is three packs to two packs, two packs to one pack, one pack to a couple of cigarettes, depending on the person, depending on the person. Sometimes you have to stop short and dead if it's a, if it's a real bad habit. You know, you can't smoke marijuana one joint a week, three, you know, go from three to one. Certain things you have to stop. You have to stop. But, but in your mind, the truth is, you shouldn't say that I'm never ever going to smoke marijuana again, because then you will. You have to say, this week I'm not. This week I'm not smoking. And the following week, I did it one week, the next two weeks I'm not. You have to play with your Yetzirah. If you tell him, this is over, it's never going to happen again, he's laughing. So you have to do it little by little. You have to play the game. Little by little, a person has to do it. Even if you intend to do the whole thing, you have to say, I'm not stopping smoking for the rest of my life. I'm stopping for this week. And then the next, the next week. And all of a sudden, it's going to add up. All those weeks end up being a year. And all those years end up being the rest of your life. And that's what the mission says. Lo alecha, it's not for you to finish the whole thing. You can't finish the whole thing. But it is for you to start. So, it was very interesting. I spoke to Shabbos. And, and that's why a person, it, it depends if you want to, if you want to get involved, and you want to do things in life, or you're looking for excuses. If you're looking for excuses to get out, everybody has an excuse. My rabbi yelled at me, I don't believe in God because my grandmother died, and I, I don't believe in God. We, if you don't want to believe in God, first of all, I have to tell you something, which I told someone else this week. There's no Jewish person in the world that's an atheist. You should know that. Okay? Any Jewish person who tells you, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, you should know, he believes in God, but he wants to have a good time, and he wants to do every kind of sin that you can imagine, and therefore the first thing he has to get rid of is God. Because once you get rid of God, then I could mess around, I could steal, let me just turn off my phone, I could do anything I want to do, because there's no God. So we learned, and I know it, I've spoken to many atheists, there's no such thing as a Jewish person, a person who has a soul and a shama that doesn't believe in God. He has to get rid of God. So he says, I don't believe in God because I, I, I want to be gay. God says, gay is no good. So if I want to be gay, and there's a God, I can't be gay. Right? If I want to commit adultery, and God says you can't, can't commit adultery, but I still want to do adultery, so what am I going to do? What am I going to get rid of? The adultery of God. Get rid of God. And I can commit adultery. So, none of us, and if you're going to stick in your head, Hey, man, I don't really know for sure. They didn't prove it to me. How do you know? What do you know? You know what you're saying? I want to be bad. I want to mess around. I want to do what I want. So, I had a girl came to me this week to speak to me. She's in a marriage and she's in a very bad predicament. She's, she's hanging out with another guy. She's about to commit huge adultery. The first thing she told me, the first time she walked in, she didn't tell me she was committing adultery. She didn't tell me that she was hanging out with some other guy, being married. What she told me was, my marriage is miserable. I said, your marriage is miserable? She said, my marriage is miserable. I said, I want to meet your husband. She said, okay, you can meet him. I'll tell him to meet you. And I met him. Listen carefully. Nicest guy in two feet you ever met in your life. The minute I met him, I understood, without her telling me anything, that this girl is about to commit adultery. Because it's not true. All the things she said about him is not true. So now why would a woman make up stories about her husband and say, he's this and he's this and he's this and he's this, and he's not? Why would someone make up such a story? There's got to be a reason. The reason is, she wants to do a sin. But how could you hurt someone that's a good husband? We have a conscience, right? So the first thing I have to do is get rid of my conscience. So he's no good, he's a bad husband. He's a bad husband, then I can do what I want. Most Averos, most excuses that we have, are not real excuses. They're just to get our conscience out of the way. So my Randy was no good, my parents are abusive, my this is that, and my that is this. Why? Because you want to do what you want. If your parents are good, you came to me and said, Red Wallstein, Listen, I leave the house. I don't tell him what I'm leaving. I tell my mother to go to hell, right? I don't talk, don't talk to my father. If 
But I want you to know that my mother is the most loving mother in the world and my father is the greatest father. Nobody could do that. Because what are you, then you're a piece of garbage. Your mother's great, your father's great, and you're doing this to them? You're a mushkis, you're a lowlife. How could you hurt people that are great to you? No. So the first thing is, my mother is this, and my father is this. And I'm sitting there and I'm saying, yeah. Your mother's this and your father's this only because you want to be that. I'm trying not to use any adjectives tonight. <laughs> because really, your parents, I met some people, they're, they're marvelous people. And the kid sits at the table and he's like, they're so mean, they're so, I can't believe how they treat me. And I'm meeting these two nice people, I wish they were my parents. <laughs> right? And I understand that he wants to misbehave. So he automatically misbehaves, he automatically makes everything around him disgusting, and everyone's bad to him, and everyone's mean to him, and really it's just the Yetzirah. It's because, so there is no atheist. They all know there's a God, they're not stupid, they don't think they're monkeys, they don't think they come from monkeys, okay? They know that they're here in the world for a reason, for what they have to get rid of God, because once I get rid of God, I can do whatever I want. There's no, there's no such thing as an atheist. So, very interesting in last week's parsha. If you, in Pasha's Akev, it says the following, when, it's, when the Torah is talking about the whole thing with the Egel, the Jews had it, you know, bowed down to the Egel. So, Moshe Rabbeinu is repeating now in Dvarim everything that happened. He says like this, God said to me, I see this nation, now Hashem's talking to Moshe, right? They're very stubborn. Listen to this, this is Neuridim. Now what does Hashem tell Moshe? Haref mimeni. Let's see how he translates it here. Release me. Go away from me. Vashmidem, I will destroy them. The emchesh momitakal shemaim, I will wipe the Jewish nation off the face of the earth. And Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, get away from me. Get out of here. And I am going to destroy Klaeslan. I'm going to make you the leader of a new nation that's going to come out from you. That's what Hashem said when the whole eagle thing went down. Two psukim later. Right? says, and I prayed, he's repeating the whole story, I threw myself down before Hashem, like the first time, for 40 days and 40 nights. I didn't eat bread, I didn't eat water, because of what Klai Yisrael did. Now one second, because Baruch listen carefully, this is very important. God just told Moshe Rabbeinu, Heref me many, get out of here! Don't talk to me! Don't pray to me! I'm destroying them and I'm going to make you the nation. Tupsukim later, Moshe Rabbeinu's praying. Hello? Hashem told you not to pray. Chutzpah? Hashem said, get out of here. Right? Imagine I tell someone, get out of here. Leave this room right now. And all of a sudden, he sits there like nothing happened. And then he starts crying to me. And I said, get out of here. Hashem's telling Moshe Rabbeinu, get out of here. I have me many. Leave me. I will destroy them. And I will make you a nation from you. So there's two kinds of people in this world. And I spoke about it to Shabbos in my bowling colony because I needed guys Saturday night to go out with me to transport. We, we had the bowling alley open until 4 o'clock for girls. They, they need rides. So we needed guys to transport the girls back to their bowling colonies, whatever it is. So I needed guys to stay up a whole night once to Shabbos. And, and, and Sunday morning's visiting day. It's a, it's a tough night to ask people to stay up all night. They got to be, they got to get up for Shabbos and they got to go to the camp to pick up their kids. Right? So here I am speaking in my bowling colony in the morning. How am I going to get them to, to to stick, you know, to, to like, I have no life, but people have a life. They, you know, they want to get up the next morning. So I said, this Pasek <coughs> makes the difference between men and mice. Men and mice. Hashem said, you can look at this Pasek two ways. Heref me many, leave me, right, so that I could destroy Klai Yisrael. Or heref me many, if you leave me, I will destroy Klai Yisrael. So now, if you're the guy in the room and you and you don't want Klyestrel to be destroyed, you hear Hashem saying, Moshe Rabbeinu, if you leave me and you don't pray for them, they're finished. If you're the guy who doesn't want to get involved, you hear, Herif me many, leave me so I can destroy them. Same word. Having two totally different meanings. And that's what we need to think about. Are we... The guy that says, oh, I can't make a difference anyway in this world, so I'm just going to do my thing. Heref me many, leave me. And Hashem said, I'll, I'll destroy and I'll do what I have to. Or, are we the guy that Hashem saying, if you don't leave me, 
then I won't destroy them. If you daven and you care and you make a difference, and that's what Mahal Chabu is going to be about, the connection of each Jew, then you can make a difference in the world, the biggest difference. You can change a person's one word. You can change... A guy was just telling me today, a regular guy I met tonight, so everyone's tumbling, you know, it's big action in the mountains now, the whole thing that we started. It's like a big roller coaster, right? So wherever I go, everybody's tumbling. Is this true? Is that true? Is this true? Is that true? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know. I wasn't there, you know, what do I know? So, this guy comes over to me tonight just to show you something. So, they, they have this thing in Walmart, you know. Anyone who's up in the mountains, all the kids congregate in Walmart. Okay. Outside in the parking lot. It's not a good scene. So, this guy goes Thursday night. A regular guy. He's not in Kirov. He's not a rabbi. Anybody in this room. Same type of guy. He's regular. No, no one's regular in this room, but above regular, right? But he's regular. Comes over to me tonight. He says to me, Wallstein, you know, I have to tell you what happened. I don't want to be a big shot. I have to tell you what happened. So I went to Walmart Thursday night. And I, there's this Jewish guy with a yarmulke and he has a t-shirt, right? And the t-shirt says a four-letter word, all of you. You know, one of those, like, in, you know, with a finger, the whole world. You know, the whole world. Four-letter word, the whole world. Now, he's standing with a yarmulke with his girlfriend. And every firm guy that walks by makes some kind of comment to him. Right? Make some kind of comment, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, what are you doing? Chiloshem, Chiloshem, you know? You know, and he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. if you can't read my shirt, I'll read it for you, you know? Yeah. Right? So, this guy's watching this. Right? Every single guy walks by, and she's like, yeah, check out the back of my shirt, look what it says. Yeah, okay. Alright, anyway, so, he, he, this guy's watching this whole thing. He says, you know what, let me give it a shot. Let me give it a shot. Walked up with this guy, never saw the guy before in his life. He says, hey, you're a Jewish boy. You're wearing a yarmulke. He goes, yeah, so? He says, you know, you created B'Tselem Elohim. The guy's like, yeah, 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 come on, B'Tselem Elohim. He goes, okay, okay, forget that one. You know, forget the B'Tselem Elohim. He says, man, you know, you got no self. You know, if you need to wear a t-shirt like that to get attention, you got no self. You know, you've you got to be screaming at the whole world for them to scream at you. You're standing here asking for it. There's no you. There's no you. That changes the whole word. There's no you. Right? And he walked by. And he went into Walmart. And the guy didn't say curse him or nothing. He said, hey, you're a person. You don't need to do that. And he walked in. He said, Sir Walston, I walked out of Walmart. He was wearing a white t-shirt. He took the, the shirt off. He wasn't wearing it anymore. It's not for you to finish. You don't need to be a Rebbe. You don't need to be a Kirib professional. It's not for you to finish, but it's for you to try. So the guy took off his t-shirt. How many guys walked by that guy, could not get him to turn off that, take off that t-shirt? All he said to him is, what do you need this for, man? You, you, you got self. You, this is no self. You're telling everybody, you, got, you know, I need attention. He took it off. No fight, no nothing. So I walked out, it was off. And the guy said, his friend, that's the guy who got me to take my t-shirt off. Check him out. So, it's, it's all of us, we have to try. We have to try. And um, I don't like quoting non-Jewish sources, but this is quoted in the, in the Pasha Parable book. And being that I love baseball, um, I'm going to quote this. Ted Williams had, a, had an average of 400. He's in the, in the uh, Hall of Fame. He had a batting average of 400. No one since him has ever had a batting of 400. Ted Williams, you know who Ted Williams is? What are you doing in the base manager? <laughs> Ted Williams, Joe DiMaggio, Rick Mickey Mantle, you know this guy? You know, okay, anyway. So, so, Ted Williams was in that, was it, was in the, uh, the three, DiMaggio, Williams, and, and Mantle. Um, so he was, he was a big baseball player, and he, he was the last guy to hit 400. Average, and then of course the softball. That's what I'm doing right now, but I'm not in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> anyway, so they asked him, "How does a baseball player hit 400?" Nobody in our generation. There's no one hitting. Even the best guys are not hitting 400. 330, 320. You know, baseball is the only sport which is a bad sport. It teaches you that one out of three puts you in the Hall of Fame. In my, I try to tell that to my father on my test marks. You know, and it didn't, it didn't work. It didn't put me into the Hall of Fame. But in baseball, if you hit one out of three, you can miss the other two. They pay you $20 million to hit one out of three. 
That's America. It's beautiful, no? Right? This guy hit 400. So they asked Ted Williams, how does a guy hit 400? So he said something naivetic. He said, you have to know that no matter who's pitching to you, there's always one pitch that he throws to you that's hittable. Don't let that pitch go by. Because the next ones are going to be curveballs, drop balls, sinkers, knuckleballs, whatever you know. But there's always one ball that's going to come across that plate that's hittable. If you don't swing at that one, you'll never hit 400. And they quoted this in Pasha Parables on last week's Pasha on that what, what I just said. Every person has a chance. Has a chance. And Hashem says, just take a swing at it. I didn't tell you you have to hit a home run. You're going to hear me say it a million times tonight. It's not for you to hit a home run. You just swing. Close your eyes and swing. I'll take the ball over the fence for you. But you got to swing. If you don't get up and swing, it's not going to happen. Everybody in this room has a chance. I don't care religious parents, not religious parents, where you come from, what happened to you in your life, whatever it is, if you want to hit 400, if you want to hit 400 in life, you got to know that every single day there's something that there's something that's hittable. There's something that's attainable. There's something that day that you can do. Don't let it go by and say, okay, I didn't pray Shachris, you know, even though I'm next to It'll never happen. Because the next pitch is going to be a knuckleball. And the next pitch is going to be a curveball. And the next pitch is going to be a sinker. Because the Yitzhahara, Yitzhahara gets that one pitch in there. The rest of them come from the Yitzhahara. Which brings me to a story, which I have not said in a very long time here. But it's so this sheer, it's so this story that I have to repeat it. It's one of my most famous stories, but it talks about this, the one pitch, hitting the one pitch. So, there was a girl in Chicago, and her name was Miriam. She was born, I don't know if I, if I said it this year, but anyway, Moshe, if you know it, you have to still be quiet. So, unless there's something I missed, and you can, you know, coach me. So, you're on film. Careful. Be careful. <laughs> so this girl, her name was Miriam, and she lived in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago. She wasn't religious. They were hardly Jewish. They were, she was born Jewish, but that's about it. And her parents felt uh, out of town. You know, they still have very strong day schools, uh, Sunday programs, Tamatora. And they felt, you know, she's Jewish. We should send her to Tamatora. Let her a little, little bit learn about where she comes from, maybe a little Hebrew, Ulpan, you know, Israel. You know, a little bit, not too much. So they sent her to this conservative, or maybe reform even, Talmud Torah. And the rule there was that you, they hired religious teachers, but the religious teachers are not allowed to take their students home for Shabbos. That was the rule. They didn't want no religion. They weren't teaching religion. They were teaching history, Jewish history, not religion. Anyway, there was one teacher, just to show you, Loyal Lecha Hamlacha Ligmar. That's only number 8 or 12, and we're on 100. Right? It's not for you to finish. This teacher said... This teacher fell in love with this little kid. She was nine years old, fourth grade, and she decided she's taking her home for Shabbos. She's going to invite her for Shabbos, even though she's going to get fired. Sunday, she's getting fired, because you're not allowed to. So she calls up the parents, and she says, you know, your little Miriam, I would love to have her for Shabbos. They're like, okay, no problem. They send this little Miriam for Shabbos. She comes to her teacher for Shabbos. She stands there, and now the teacher's lighting candles. Teacher's lighting candles. This little Miriam, if you can imagine, in America, never, there are many people who never saw candles being lit. Never. Never. Just somebody that I know went to see program in Miami. And she said that in, in a room of a hundred people, she asked of the hundred people to raise their hand if they know anyone, if they have a relative, not if they know, if they have a relative in their family that intermarried with a non-Jew. Every single person of the hundred people raised their hand. You hear? In a room of a hundred Jews, every single Jew in that room had a relative that married a non-Jew. So, the Holocaust, that he killed six million... You understand? In America, it's much bigger than that because once a man marries a non-Jewish woman, all the children from that generation forever are not Jewish. So you just put them all in the gas chamber and cut them off. That's it. So this girl came back from the C program. She was like, beyond herself, what's going on in America? What's been going on in America for a very long time so they could be a kid in Chicago who never saw candles in her house on Shabbos. So she was amazed. So she said, where are my candles? You're lighting. I want to light. So the teacher said, no, I'll light for you. She said, no, I don't want you to light for me because I don't know if I'm ever going to get a chance again. My mother doesn't light and I, I would like to light candles. So the teacher said, okay, it's not the end of the world. We'll, we'll, we'll give her two candles. So they gave her two candles and she, the, the teacher went like this and the kid didn't know what she was doing. She also went like this and she made the bracha and she made the bracha and she lit her two little candles. Fine. 
I'm not going to take too much time on the story. She lit her candles and she went home. After Shabbos, the teacher came back to school. Interesting, she told the school what she did, that she, you know, that she invited her, whatever. She didn't want it to come from the parents. And they didn't fire her. For whatever reason, they said, don't do it again, but they didn't fire her. Okay. Anyway, this girl went through eighth grade, Talmud Torah, Sunday school. That was it. And she was in public school, and her parents decided Southside Chicago wasn't so great. They're going to send her to a private school. Right across the street from where they lived was a private Catholic school. So they figured, you know, even though our, our, we're Jewish, they, were, they didn't really practice it. So they took their little Miriam and they brought her to high school, ninth grade, to St. Mary's, whatever, private Catholic school. This girl goes to the private Catholic school and they got her off. She doesn't have to pray with everybody. She can sit on the side while they pray. But of course she made friends. She wasn't that strong in her Jewish roots altogether. And by 11th grade, her name wasn't Miriam anymore. It was Mary. By 12th grade, she was already praying with them. And it was all over. She was one of them. She ended up going to college to a private Catholic college and she met Vinny and she fell in love with Vinny and to roll the story to roll it ahead what happened she's going to get married to Vinny so when is she getting married of course she's getting married on Shabbos and she's getting married in Chicago on Shabbos in church no rabbi just a priest that's it Vinny Vinny and Mary no that's the whole thing so fine so she gets into she the, the day that she's supposed to go. She's in the car, and um, and uh, the bridesmaids you know come into the car, and they're on their way. They're on their way to the church. They're going to the church. Nope. They're on their way to the church. The three friends are sitting in the car, and they say, you know what? We bought you a present. We bought you a present. One second. Make a bracha, bracha, Amen. What did they buy her? They bought her a cross. They take the cross, she has her eyes closed, they take the cross, and they put the cross on her neck, her eyes are closed, and the way the story is set over, her eyes are closed when the, when the, the cross hits her chest, right? It's on a necklace and it hits her chest, all of a sudden there's a scream all the way to Shemayim, no! Screaming all the way to Shemayim, the way she says over the story, it goes all the way to the Kisah Kavay. Because Baruch is sitting by Kisah Kavay, there's a voice from this world screaming, no, what's going on? Sultan says, ah, don't worry about it, it's one of the girls, she's intermarrying, well, whatever it is. Out comes a malach, and the malach says, you have to give her a chance. Why do you have to give her a chance? Who are you? Who's the malach? I am the malach of the candles. I'm the two candles that she lit, and I say you have to give her a chance. Hashem says, how long did, she, how long did it take to light the candles? 40 seconds, she made a bracha. She has a 40 second chance to change herself. 40 seconds. Okay, car's going, girls are in the car, they come to a red light in Chicago, light is red, windows open, there's four Jep girls from Brooklyn. Jep's an organization to be car people. There's four Jep girls from Brooklyn standing on the corner, totally lost in Chicago, have no idea where to go. Car pulls up, it's a limo with looks like non-Jewish people in it. The Jep girls go over to the car, and they're lost, and they say, how do you get to West, well, let's say 23rd Street, whatever it is. Mary's sitting in the back. She sees four girls. She, re- she realizes that they're Jewish. She says, oh, West 23rd, that's where my school used to be. Right? It was, used to be a conservative synagogue. Now it's, now it's an orthodox shul. She says, girls, hop in the car. And I, oh, you won't hop in the car. You girls are religious. So follow me, and I'll take you to the, to the, to the synagogue. I know that you'll, otherwise you're not going to be able to find it. <laughs> One of the Jeff girls from New York says, excuse me, uh, how do you know anything about a synagogue? She says, what are you talking about? I'm Jewish. She looks at her chest and says, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Something happened to your mother and David. It's not looking very right over here. She goes, oh, no, no, I'm going to marry Vinny. The story's a much longer story, but whatever it is. She says, by the way, she says, she says, what's your name? She says, oh, they call me Mary. The Jeff girl asks her, what's your name? She goes, they call me Mary, but my name is really Miriam. So the Jeff girl says, look what I have. And she's wearing one of those silver things. My name is also Miriam. Isn't that crazy? I made Miriam meet Miriam. She says, well, we'll follow you. So they, they follow the, the car to the shul. They come to the shul, and this Jeff girl's thinking, what is a Jeff girl, 17-year-old Jeff girl, how is she going to save this woman who's on, in, in the car with her friends, wearing a cross, on her way to church to get married? What are you going to do? You give up. You walk away and say, what am I going to do, right? What can I do? This girl, she's a Brooklyn girl, right? She has chutzpah. She says, she says to her, listen, you're Jewish. Why don't you get a blessing from the rabbi? 
she got the blessing from the rabbi. She says, yeah, they're in the middle of services, you know, Saturday services. Come inside, get a blessing from the rabbi. She goes, you know what? I'm Jewish. I should get a blessing from the rabbi. She tells her friends, wait two minutes. I'm going to go inside to the synagogue and I'm going to get a blessing from the rabbi. Not knowing, of course, there's no way a rabbi's going to give you a blessing to Mary Vinnie. But the Jeff girl knew that, but she didn't know that. So she's about to get out of the car. The Jeff girl says, you really shouldn't wear that in synagogue. It might like shock him a little bit. She goes, oh, oh, you're right, 100%. I'm sorry. It's not respectful. She takes off the, the cross. She takes off the cross, off her neshama, and she puts it on the, on the chair. And the way she says over the story, that was the turning point. When she took that cross off and put it on the chair, that was where she opened up a little bit for Hashem. A little bit. A little teeny hole for Hashem. So, she goes ahead, and she comes into the shul. She walks into the shul. Now, she's in a wedding gown. I'm sure it wasn't very sneeze-stick, right? She walks into the girls' section of the shul. And, you know, they're used to out-of-town about shuvas and stuff like that. And the rabbits are sitting there, and all sitting there, and they're like, okay, listen, you know, some about shuvas take it a little bit. <laughs> she took Shabbos Kala she took very literal so and she went out and she bought a you know she bought out a wedding gown yeah, we're not going to say anything so they're not going to say anything fine she comes in the Rebbeton gets up she gives her a hug and a kiss what's up what's going on and she says no I'm, I'm wearing this because I'm going to I'm getting married to who? to Vinny she goes he's Jewish no he's not Jewish we're you getting married at church she says listen we're, we're almost finished praying uh, maybe my, my husband, you know, he's the rabbi of the synagogue, he'll talk to you, maybe he'll give you a blessing, I don't know, they're all playing the same game, right? Okay, anyway, they finish diving, she's waiting, the girls are beeping in the car, ready. they're getting crazy, and the rabbi comes out, he sees this beautiful Jewish girl, she's Miriam, it's a Jewish girl, he's says, Miriam, he says, listen, I'm not telling you Vinny, not Vinny, whatever, but you know what, maybe before you marry him, spend a Shabbos or two with us, and then decide if you want to do this. Because if you're going to marry him, you're never going to have a Shabbos. Maybe it's something you should look into. And then two, two, you push it off for a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. When a neshama, you know, I mean, maybe some of you guys have seen it, but when a neshama unravels, it unravels. Because it, it, our souls want holiness. So when you, when you start to scratch off the dirt a little bit and the diamond shines through, it wants to break all that dirt off. So automatically, she, without, didn't make any logic sense, she's on her way to a wedding, right? She came outside. She says over the story. She, she came outside and she went to her friends and she said, Girls, I'm postponing the wedding. Oh, you can't. We knew it. The minute you start talking to Jewish girls, we knew this was going to happen. We heard about you guys like this, you know. You never make up your mind. And you, you, but, da, 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 da. She turns around to Susie, one of the girls sitting in front. She goes, You can marry Vinny for me. Because the two of you have been looking at each other anyway all the time. I've been watching you. So, you know what? The hall is there. It's paid for. The, the priest is there. You go marry him. And, and they drove off. And here was this girl sitting in a, at a shul in a, in a wedding dress on the day that she was going to marry Vinny. Okay. So, they took her. the rabbi took her into his house. And they ended up collecting money. And they sent her to Eretz Yisrael. Maybe even to Neveh. I'm not sure where she ended up, but I think it was Neve. And she ended up going to Israel for a year and for two years. And she ended up dating another guy. That guy ended up becoming a Rav Arla Chassid. They ended up living, okay, from Chicago, going to church on a Shabbos, wearing a cross to get married to Vinny by a priest, ended up a Rav Arla Chassid in Mersharim, Yerushalayim. Because the Kirsh Baruch Hu says, it's not for you to finish. Just get it started. I can take a girl from Christian school wearing a cross on her way to church to marry Vinny with a priest. I have the power to take her, turn her around, and end up having her head shaven. Chassidish, Rabbi Chassid, living in Meshachar and bringing up little Chassidish kids. Because you can't do that, but I can do that. Now, how do I know the story? So, there's a teacher in my school about 10 years ago, told me this story. She was a seminary girl. And she, on, on Shabbos, they send these seminary girls out to Sephardic homes, Hasidic homes, up north, down south, to, to experience different Shabbos. So these two girls were sent to this house in Meshachar. They come into the house, they sit down. You know, they're about the guy with the big white, you know, white yarmulkes, and he goes to shul, and then this girl comes down. Right? An American girl who speaks English, she comes down, and she's coming to light her candle. She has two, two little, she had like six kids, but she had like two little girls and two little boys going with her to light candles, and they see this woman is coming to light candles in a, in a wedding dress. Now they're like, 
maybe all the women Shabbos Kala. You know, You know, we don't know men hugging, right? So it could be it's their minig, right? So they sit there quietly. They're not going to say anything. If you think I have a list, they said that she stood there for forty-five minutes to light candles. Everyone who doesn't have children, anyone needs a full shleima. She just had a whole list, crying by this name, crying by that name. This this one needs a shidduch. Mamish like a rebbitzin. She finishes the 45 minutes. She sits down. She says, so you're wondering why I'm wearing this dress. She said, the reason I'm wearing this dress is because I was rewarded on Shabbos. Because when I was a little girl, I lit candles. And I know that's what saved me. And therefore, since I found God on Shabbos in this wedding dress, I made a, a nether that for the rest of my life, I will always light my candles in this wedding dress. And that's the story of a moment. How long is a red light, guys? Go outside. Go to the light. Sit there. 40 seconds. 40 seconds took a girl from the lowest point to the highest point. Just start. Just start with 40 seconds. And you can go from wherever you are to the highest point. Hashem will take you. But you have to stop at the red light. And she offered these kids help. If she would have said, I'm sorry, I'm on my way to my wedding, the light would have turned green, and the limo would have continued, and there would be a totally, totally different life. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. 40 seconds in a person's time. Now we're all going to come up to heaven, and we're going to say, God, you didn't give me a chance, you didn't give me the right parents, I was in the wrong neighborhood, I didn't go to yeshiva, you're going to have a million excuses. Hashem's going to take out a list. And show you all the red lights he gave you. You went to a shear, you thought for 40 seconds you want to change your life, then you didn't. You saw, you went to a funeral, and when you saw that this young guy died, you said, oh my God, I could die young also, I have to hop around, I have to jump, I have to change my life, but you didn't. You went to a wedding, and you saw the beauty of a chassan and a kala getting married, and you said, oh boy, I wish I would only have one girl like this guy has, instead of 30 of them. But you didn't. Everybody has red lights in their life. Everybody does. The question is, how do you read it? Do you read it the way Moshe Rabbeinu read it? Leave me alone means if, if, I, if you leave me alone or leave me alone. That's the difference in how you read it. And you have to believe in yourself. And you have to believe that you can, that you can do anything. And the only one that tells you that you can't do anything is the Yitzhahara, is the Satan. He tells you, listen, you can't, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to stop learning? You're going to stop wearing white shirts and your tits is out. You're going to look stupid. Who asked you to do that? No one asked you to do that. Just do something. Do a little bit. You do a little bit. You can see from this story. And it's not such a crazy story because there's a million people out there that have a 40-second story on how their life changed. A million people. How Rabbi Lamb, after Rabbi Lamb, his story, it was less than 40 seconds. Rabbi Lamb, his whole story, I don't want to steal it from him. He should tell you his story. He was in a class and the and the... the the professor asked the question and said, Lamb, you're the only Jew in the class. You answer it. And he couldn't. And he said, I'm the only Jew in the class and I can't answer it. i got to go find out where I come from. i got to go find out where my roots is. And that's when he went to Ar Sameach and that's when his whole life changed. Rabbi Lamb, who gives my shir, Rabbi Label Lamb, okay, less than 40 seconds changed his life. So he could have said, so I don't know. Big deal. I didn't go to yeshiva. I was in Eastchester in public school. A softball uh, professional baseball player, whatever it was. So I didn't know. He said, nope. That second I got embarrassed. I'm the only Jew in the class and I don't know my history. Who is Abraham? I got to go find out who Abraham is. Hello, what yeshiva can I learn? That's where he went. Because he took that second. And he didn't walk away when the light turned red. And wait till it turns green. I'm going to go ahead with my life. He made a change in his life. But a person has to believe in himself. I could stand up here all day and tell you guys, believe in yourself, believe in yourself, believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, like, no, no one's going to be able to help you. You have to believe that you can make a change. If you can believe you can, then you can make a change. This week's Pasha. What does this week's Pasha say? This week's Pasha says the following. Re'ei, look. This week's Pasha. Re'ei, look. If you don't look, if you don't look, if you just keep walking with your eyes closed, same routine, the same everything, you're not going to make it. Re'ei says the Torah, look, Anoichi, Hashem saying, I, Anoichi, I, gave you Hayom, Bracha Uklala. I gave you a choice. We all have choices. Red light stop, green light go. We have choices. Says the first passage, if you look, 
you will see that I've given every guy in this room a choice. One way is a blessing, one way is a curse. Says the Torah. Es habracha, what's a blessing? Asher tishmol mitzvah Hashem alikechem, if you will listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem, your God, Asher nechem mitzvahs kemayoyim, that I commanded you today, what's going to happen? Doesn't say. Very weird Pasuk. Pasuk says, and the bracha is, if you're going to listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem that He commanded you today, and the curse is, if you're not going to listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem, and you're going to go off the derech to go after other gods, what's going to happen? Doesn't say. So the question everybody asks, is you tell me that there's a bracha, and you don't tell me the bracha. You tell me there's a klala, and you don't tell me the klala. You tell me there's a curse, and you don't tell me the curse. So the rabbis answer beautiful. And the rabbi says, that is the bracha, and that is the curse. Es ha-bracha, what is the blessing? The blessing is that you can listen to the mitzvahs of Hashem. That is the blessing. What is the curse? The curse is this, you don't. Not if you don't listen, you're going to get cursed. The curse is that you don't listen. That you had a life, and God gave you life. Instead of choosing to do the right thing, you choose to do the wrong thing. That's the biggest curse. I don't have to curse you that if you do the wrong thing, fire is going to come out and burn you, you're going to lose your children, your money's going to go out the window. I don't have to, that's, not, that's not even close to the curse of not realizing your potential of coming into this world and doing Averis. That's the biggest curse. And coming into this world and doing mitzvahs is the biggest, is the biggest bracha. Therefore, the Torah doesn't tell you what's the bracha. The bracha is keeping mitzvahs. The, way, the biggest curse is not doing mitzvahs. I was walking with someone, I'll end with this. It's not even, you should know that I did not say two words in my share tonight, because my share is on Yerushalayim, but we'll have to wait till next week. <laughs> I didn't get to it. But I have to tell you, I had, I, I, I had a discussion with a guy in my colony this week, and I was walking with him. N- not to scare you, I'm not telling you to scare you. I, I want you to understand what the bracha is. So there, there's four levels of life in this world. Daimem, Iraq, has no life. Iraq has no life. Even though it does have life, because in the ground, dirt has life. You put a seed in, it grows. So daimem has what we call potential. Potential energy, not kinetic energy. It has potential. The ground has potential. Even domem, something that is not alive, right? Sand, you put it in your hand, it's not alive. But you put a seed in it, and it gives it minerals, and it gives it to growth. So it's the lowest level of life. It's called daimem. Tzemeach is something that grows. Plants, trees. Then you have... A chai, which is an animal. Right? And then you have us, the highest level, which is a medaber, which is being able to speak. You have to be a tzaddik to get into Gehenna. In Gehenna, you go for 11 months, they clean you up, and they send you to Ganeidim. That's good. That's if you were good. If you're not so good, you don't get to go to Gehenna. They don't put you in the cleaners. You end up, you have to come back here, and you got to go through a whole transition some come back as rocks and you have to sit here for 100 years 200 years and a shama stuck in a rock it's extremely painful you can't do anything you're stuck until someone comes along and takes that rock and builds a shul or someone comes along and that rock goes into the ground and somebody plants and from that area something grows and then you have a tzameach something that grows from it so the neshama that was stuck in the rock now goes into the plant the neshama that's stuck in the ground goes into the plant. Now along comes a cow and chews up the plant. It's not very comfortable, you know, if you're in the plant to be chewed up and go into a cow's stomach. It's not a lot of fun. It's a lot worse than Gehenna, right? And you're sitting in that cow's stomach and then you become part of the cow because you're, you're, you're the nutrients of the cow itself and your neshama becomes part of that cow. Now comes along the shaykhet and he shechs the cow, Right? And he takes out a piece of flanken from the, and you're in that flanken, and he puts that in the chulant. It's also not fun being in a chulant for 24 hours, okay, with all those beans at 195 degrees, right? <laughs> Until the guy finally comes the next day, and on Shabbos he makes a bracha, and you're part of the meal, and he eats it, and then your neshama goes into a medaber, onto that level, and then you're free to go to the next world to go through whatever you have to go through. It's crazy painful. It's crazy painful. And there are ways of skipping it. You could be in a plant and someone makes a brach on an apple. And there's many stories that are brought down in Sefer Gugulim where somebody was in an apple and went through the whole 
in the ground, in the trees, in the leaves, finally got into the apple. Guy comes by, he happens to be Jewish, he's going to make a bracha, he doesn't. And the guy, the neshama came back to him at night and was screaming, look what you did to me, now i got to come back into the ground, back into the tree and wait till the Jew comes and makes a bracha on me. So he had to do a whole tikkun and he fasted for him 40 days. The Havas Chaim is on a whole story and he was misaki in that neshama. And that's why you have to make sure you make a bracha on everything. We are the tikkun, we are the tikkun for the whole world. Anything that we use for a mitzvah, we're masakin neshamas. So we know that Riyah Kaddish used to walk through Tfas and say, in this tree, there are a hundred neshamas, and on this tree, and he used to do tikkunim to bring them out, to bring them into the next world. There are ways of skipping. You don't have to always go from plant to animal. Guy makes a buck on the plant. The rock is used. Right? There are many different ways of skipping. Sometimes you're just in the animal and you have to suffer. It's a non-kosher animal, and there's no tikkun for that, whatever it is, and you just have to suffer a certain amount of years until you're free. And the famous story of Shani, I don't know if you hear when he said the story of Shani's first look at the other side, so to say, was that he went to this very big tzaddik. The Avas Chaim is a sefer that I learn a lot, right? With Rav Menachem Menashe. He was a very big Makubal in Eretz Yisrael. Very big tzaddik, about 180 years ago. Now, he had, a, he had another Makubal who was bigger than him. And he sent Rav Shani to that Makubal. Because Rav Shani was a kid that was making trouble, and he wanted him to settle down. So he sent him to that Makubal, and Rav Shani said, when he was a young boy, he was 19 years old, he came to this other Makubal, and he sees a cat, a black cat, in this Makubal's office, and he could tell you, he'd come here, I think it'll be here this week. He'll tell you the story himself. He told me the story, I know the story for a fact. And, 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 and the cat was, was, was like with its, with its hands up on the table, looked like the Makubal was talking to the cat. So, so this kid, 19-year-old kid said, yeah, right, you know. I heard about this stuff. I don't believe in this stuff, whatever it is. So the Makubal told Rav Shani, right, told Rav Shani. Rav Shani will tell you all the story. He said he was 19-year-old kid. He realized that his grandfather sent him to straighten him out. So he told Rav Shani, you know, this cat was a woman who fooled around. And her neshama had to come back in a black cat. But she's already back a few times in a few cats. And I decided I felt bad. And I, was, I did a tikkun for her. And... I straightened everything out. The cat ran out of the room. Rav Shani was saying that he was laughing. Why are you playing with cats? Cats are talking to rabbis. Coming back, a woman who fooled around and a black cat. Yeah, give me stories. What are you talking about, right? Okay. So he was laughing. So the Makubal said to him, what are you laughing about? He says, I don't believe what you just said. I don't believe one word you said. He said, you don't? I was misogging her neshama. Her neshama is not here anymore. It's in the next world. He said, how do I know? He said, go out to the street. Rav Shani went out to the street. Cat was laying dead. Was just hit by a car in the middle of the street. Rav Shani said, "He went back to the Makubi. He said, teach me." <laughs> that's how it started. He'll tell you that's the story. That's how it started. So there are all these gugula. So I said to this guy, "Listen to me." And, and this is what I'm telling all of you in here. Everybody in this room, every guy, every one of us, is on the highest level. We're not a rock. We're not a plant, and we're not an animal. Which means that we have gone through everything to get to this point. We are now at the top. We are at the top. We are now Jewish. We're, we came back Jewish with Jewish neshamas. Which means that last time we were here, we weren't so bad. Or we wouldn't be here. We'd be a rock somewhere outside. Or some flowers in a store that you have to buy on Shabbos to be masaking the flowers. Right? There's many ways. We, it's not me telling you, boobamites, just open the Gemara, the story with the fish. They used to go fishing. Right, the rabbis for Shabbos, and they used to look at the face of the fish and say, "Not you, not you, not you, you." So it's, the Gemara talks about this. We can't do this anymore. We don't know this, but we do know one thing: that every guy in this room is not a plant or a rock or an animal. Which means that we are at the top. Many of us have suffered to get here. Many of us have suffered to be born as a human being. But we all now have a chance to put on tefillin, wear tzitzis, daven, learn Torah. We we made it. Everyone in this room made it. We all made it, every one of us. We are at the top level in this world. So what does the Yetzirah want? He doesn't want, he wants you to go back down, start all over again. So I said to this guy, we're out of our minds. It took us a thousand years to get here, sitting in a rock or a plant or a cow or a lamb chop on the grill. Who knows how much pain we've gone through. But now we're not in pain. Now we're human. And we're Jewish. And we have mitzvahs. And we're fooling, and we're going around having a good time partying. So the the what I realized is that the tragedy, the tragedy, and the reason that an Avera is so bad 
is that when you work so hard to get somewhere, it's like I, you can't. There's nothing I can compare it to because because you forgot all the pain. They they take that away from you when they bring you in the summer back to this world because we couldn't handle it. We couldn't handle it if we remembered one moment of it. it. It's like it's like making the Olympics and working since you're two years old when all the other kids are having fun and you got to go on that balancing beam or whatever you have to do and you finally made the Olympics and there you are, Olympic Stadium. You're running for the United States. And instead of running, it's your chance to run. You go, and there's a game room. Wallerstein for the United States. Wallerstein? Wallerstein! Oh, he's playing in the game room. You'd say, what a loser. His whole life, since he's two years old, he's practicing and training and practicing and training. He gave up everything. He's practicing and training. And here it is, the moment to win the gold medal. What is he doing? He's playing Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> he's playing Miss Pac-Man. Miss Sugarna, you're nuts. They'll take me to the hospital and they'll give you a brain scan. Right? What happened to you? That's what we're all doing. We work to get here. For some reason, we're back in this world. We're on the highest level. We're, we're Jewish. We're, we're, not only we're Jewish. We know we're Jewish. We, 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 we know, Torah. we're not Jewish and they sent us into, 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 into Kalamazoo somewhere. We don't know anything what a Jew is. We know what we are. We're at the top of our game and we're playing Miss Pac-Man. We're busy with the computer, with the iPad, with the rock and roll, with the girls, with this, with that, with that. And the Yitzhahara has to keep us busy. Because if for one moment we understood who we are, and that we finally got here, after all this time, we finally got another chance, and we're blowing it. Says the Mishnah, time is short. There's a lot of work. You're back. You're back as a human being. Maybe you weren't here for, ten, for a thousand years as a human being. You're back. Every guy in this room, you're at the top. You have the ability to do what you're here for. No. I'm busy. We're lazy. So therefore, we turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and, and Hashem says, just do a little. Just start me off. Start me off, and I'll take you from wherever you are to the highest level. But you have to start me off. And if you don't believe in yourself, guys, you will never start yourself off. So you know what? Go outside. Go outside tonight. They may lock you up, so do it privately. Go into your backyard and pick up a rock and say, I am Zechariah Wallerstein. I am not a rock. And throw the rock down. And then take a piece of grass and pull it out of the ground and say, I am Zechariah Wallerstein. I don't know who you are in that grass and I feel bad for you, whoever you are. But I'm Zechariah Wallerstein. I'm not a piece of grass. I can put on tefillin. I can make a bracha on water. I come out of the bathroom. I can make a shiyotza. And then walk over to your neighborhood cat okay <laughs> try to do this very privately not in public and say I'm not a cat and I'm not a rat and I'm not a possum and I'm not a bird and I'm not a goldfish I'm a person I'm Zechariah Wallerstein so what am I doing why am I acting like a rock and a rat and a piece of grass or smoking grass Whatever I'm doing with grass. <laughs> Whatever I'm doing with the grass. I act like an animal. I smoke grass. I got a head like a rock. So what I said, what'd you do for me? So what'd you do for me? You're supposed to be finished with all those goo goo Maybe that's why guys like to smoke pot. Maybe those guys that smoke pot used to be a piece of grass. So they're used to it. Maybe it's their friends that they want to see them again. I don't know. I don't know. Could be. Who knows? Maybe that's what it's about. I missed the whole picture. Could be. Maybe that's what cigarettes are about. Maybe you were in a piece of tobacco in, in Colombia somewhere, and these are all your friends, and you want to see them again. You want to light them up. You know? Chaim, how you doing in there? <laughs> What's up? It's very funny. It's very funny. He's looking at you. He's saying, you're so lucky you're there already. What are you doing with me? Go run, learn something. Take a sit or go diving. You're not a rock. You're not an animal. But that's where we're all running. We want to go right back to where we came from. That's the world. And I said to this guy, we were walking, we were walking in the woods when I was talking to him. I was saying, Nebuch, you know, I, I don't have the Arizal's power to see who's in the trees. Or if there's anyone in the trees and in the leaves. And I felt, 
they're sitting there and they're the most jealous of me as I walk through and I'm talking to her they're like if we could just get out of this leaf and, and, and just be there with you and, and, and walk in the woods and talk to her wow do you hear what's going on you guys do you hear how how we're so blind hey says HaKadosh Baruch this week Pasha look just look I'm there look you'll see me and I'm telling you that the biggest bracha I could give you is I brought you back as a human being and you can do mitzvahs and the biggest curse I could give you is that you came back as a human being and you got another chance and all you're doing is sinning. That's the biggest curse. So I hope everyone here tonight understands who you are. You're at the top of the pyramid. Don't start all over again. It's not a fun trip. You can change so much. It's hard to change. So remember the story with the red light. It's just 40 seconds. You can't change everything at one time. Don't try a little bit. Why? Uh, it's not a hundred times, but it's not for you to finish, guys. Hashem will finish. It's for you to start. And maybe if we start to build the base Hamigdash, brick by brick, every mitzvah you do is a brick. If we start to build the base Hamigdash, maybe that's what the mission is saying. You can't build the base Hamigdash. I can build the base Hamigdash. You and I you can't bring Mashiach. I have to bring Mashiach. But all I want for you is to start. Go out on a Matzah Shabbos and make a difference to some kid. To some kid who's sitting in Walmart with F on his, a curse word on his. Go over to him and say, hey man, you don't need to do that. You, you're, you're somebody. Go to some guy and tell him, hey, we're at the top of the pyramid, boys. We're human. We're at the top of the pyramid. We could do so much. Let's get it done. Maybe if we start that, we start that way. Taka Kush will build the base on Migdash. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.